If you're a believer in Jesus Christ here tonight, then you are a member of the body of Christ. That's right. You're a member of the body of Christ. You didn't have to go through any official ceremony or anything. What you had to do to be a member in the body of Christ was to believe upon Christ, to put your faith in him, to believe upon his finished work and believe that he was raised from the dead. And by the Holy Spirit, you were baptized into the body of Christ. There's one body of Christ, right? Many fellowships, many uh, local outposts, as I like to call them, but there's one body of Christ. And if you're a member of the body of Christ, then you're also called to, and hopefully being equipped for service within the body of Christ and, and to those around you. The book of Ephesians, in the book of Ephesians, Paul says this in Ephesians 2.10, that God had ordained uh, in advance that we would walk in good works. And he prepared them in advance for us to do. And so there's good works for you to accomplish in the kingdom of God. Then also in Ephesians chapter 4, he, Paul said that Jesus had given gifts to the church, that he literally bestowed gifts upon the church. And there in verse 11, we see what's called the fivefold ministry of the church. And so those ministers within the church are the gifts, the pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets, and uh, evangelists. And so, and th there's a purpose that these gifts have. There, these are basically offices within the church, pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, apostles. So these are offices that, that, that people function within, and there's a purpose for the gifts. And it's stated right there in Ephesians 4. And what is that? These were given to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the work of the ministry. So we're being built up. When you, when you come and, and uh, you know, a pastor or an evangelist shares the word or you're listening somewhere, you, you need to realize what's happening, that, that you're being poured into, that you're being equipped. What is that? You're being furnished with exactly what you need. To, to, to be a Christian, to, to do what God's calling you to do. You may hear a word and then walk out and that exact thing that you heard is exactly what you needed to hear and it's exactly what you needed to relay to someone else. And so this is how the, the Holy Spirit works. And so he's constantly equipping us for the work of ministry. The problem is, is that as human beings, we're not prone to be focused on the work of Christ. We're not prone to be focused on other people. We're, we're generally selfish, you know, and I'll be the first to admit it. You know, hey, I got some takers here. We're generally, you know, that's, that's kind of how we are. And the Lord is in, in bringing us into the body of Christ. He's wanting us to to begin to be less selfish, to be more giving, to be more uh, focused on other people around us and the needs that they might have. Um, because God is wanting to do, God's done a work in your heart and he's wanting to do a work in the hearts of the people around you and he's wanting you to be used. So he's wanting you to first be equipped to be able to do that. So we really need a paradigm shift in the body of Christ, a thinking shift really of, of uh, going away from thinking about ourselves all the time and thinking about others, thinking about the work of Christ, thinking about others, and then learning how to act 
uh, in our daily lives as believers. Now, when, you come to, when it comes to the church, there, there was a, there's an old statistic, and, and um, I'm, I'm hoping and praying that this statistic is being blown out of the water, so to speak. But this was the old statistic, and if you've been around the church for very long, you will nod and say, yes, we know, we know. But here's the statistic. 20% of the body of Christ does all the work of the church. 20%, not 40, not 60, not 80, 20%, and in some places even less than that. And so you go in and you see all this stuff happening, and what? guess what? 20% of the people are doing all of that. Um, and so what I'd like to see happen, and I've been saying this for years, is to somehow kind of demolish that statistic. <laughs> somehow have a work of the Holy Spirit happening in our hearts and lives that says, you know what? Hey, I want to be, I'm a member of the body of Christ. I want to get equipped for ministry, and I want to serve the Lord in whatever capacity that he's called me to. So we come to our text tonight, and Paul, literally, the Apostle Paul, he's continuing in his epistle here, and he commends to us two people uh, as excellent uh, Christian servants, examples, really, uh, of excellent Christian ser uh, servants. And, uh, and so we can learn a lot about uh, the ministry. We can learn a lot about the, the mentality that we need, the focus that we need. We can learn a lot about what it is that God's calling us to by looking at these two examples that Paul gives us in this section of scripture that we're going to look at tonight. And so if you're taking notes, if you've got your little card there and you're taking notes, the two points tonight, the two things we can learn are First, we need to look out for the interests of Jesus Christ. And secondly, we need to live out the ministry of Jesus Christ. And so first, look out for the interests of Jesus Christ. Let's pick it up. Verse 19 of Philippians chapter 2. It says this. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a, uh, with a father, he has served, me, served with me in the gospel. And I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how will it go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. So, we need to be equipped for the work of ministry. If we're going to be in the body, we're going to be equipped for the work of ministry. The first thing we need to do is realize that part of the equipping is that we need to look out for the interests of Jesus Christ. We need to look out for the interests of Jesus Christ. If you're going to be involved as a Christian servant, you're going to be involved in ministry, then we need to look out for the interests of Jesus Christ. Timothy was a man that Paul commended to the church of Philippi here. Timothy was a model of Christian service. Paul tells us that Timothy was a man that looked out for the interest of Jesus Christ. How's that? He said, well, he's not like the others. <laughs> he's not like the others who are just looking out for their own interest and not the interests of Christ. And so we can deduce from that, logically, that Timothy was one that looked out for the interest of Jesus Christ. He looked out for the kingdom in that sense. 
And if you're called into the kingdom of God, then we're to look out for the kingdom, the interests of the kingdom, the interests of the king. We're his ambassadors in the world. And so if we are his ambassadors in the world, then he's, he's got a great purpose for us. Every single day, Christian, you've been sent out into your world, into your office, into your uh, you know, factory or into your schoolhouse or whatever it is. And you've been given a, a, a great task to be an ambassador of Christ and therefore representing the interests of the king who sent you into that place because he sent you forth, amen? And, and so you're gonna, you're gonna look out for the interests of the king. You're gonna look out for none other than Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the king of the kingdom. How do you go about looking out for the interest of Jesus Christ? That's probably a good question to start with, a good place to start. First, you have to submit your mind and will to the will of the Father. We have to submit our mind to the will of the Father. This is where it starts. I mean, if you're going to look out for the interest of Christ, you've got to submit your, your mind and will to him. Amen? And this is basically what, uh, this is the transformation that Paul is praying for, hoping for, and writing this letter. You know, earlier in the chapter, what did he say? He said, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. So he's wanting a transformation of mind. He's wanting a transformation of mentality, of focus, of outlook, of perspective. And so that starts with taking on the mind of Christ, letting the mind of Christ be in you. And when we take on the mind of Christ, humbling ourselves, taking on that place of, 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 a, of a humble servant. And remember, Paul told us, you know, in the Kenosis passage there earlier in this chapter, he said he made himself of no reputation. Jesus made himself of no reputation, took on the form of a man and made himself a bondservant, a slave. He became a servant to do the will of the Lord, to do the will of the Father. Remember, he's the son. He came as the, he's the second person of the Trinity and he came to do the will of the Father. And so he modeled perfectly that, you know, thing that what we're called to do, to submit to that, to submit to that will of the Father. And I tell you what, once you do that, whew, wow, God can really begin to work with someone. The problem is our stubborn wills, <laughs> right? We have, we're, we're stubborn as can be, right? And, um, and we can be stubborn like that, but God wants us to submit to the will of the Father. Um, Jesus came to do a, a work of, of, of salvation, right? Of, of, of laying down his life, paying a ransom. How did he do it? He did it because he submitted to the will of the Father. We just sung it in the song. Looking to the will of the Father and laying down his life as a ransom. Uh, so we have to submit our, our will to the will of the Father. Secondly, stop seeking your own interests. Now, I want to be very clear on this point. This is not talking about neglecting your responsibilities and the things that you have going on in the sphere of your responsibilities in your work, in your family, in your home, in, in taking care of um, and stewarding properly the possessions that God has brought into you. That is all right here, okay? That is right here. But God wants us to do that and then also think about the interests of the kingdom, to think about the interests of other people because ultimately the interest of the kingdom is reaching out to other people because God is wanting to advance the kingdom. He's whosoever will, right? 
Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so God wants us to, to focus on others. I'm reminded of um, a famous evangelist, at least within Calvary Chapel circles, um, Gail Irwin. Yes, not, not a lady, it's actually a man named Gail, right? And uh, he's a funny guy, great teacher of the Bible, and he's big on this particular point, on servanthood and being others-focused. In fact, if you go see him speak, he literally passes out for free, wherever he goes, little bumper stickers that just say others on it. And, uh, and so it's just a, a reminder of us being focused on the needs of others because you're gonna come across people Day in, day out. I know I do. I know I do in my, in my daily life. I come across people that, 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 that need the Lord, that need encouragement, that need the word of God. They're, they're literally dying from lack of, of the word of God. And here I am just, you know, feasting on the word and just being available to speak to people, to encourage people. Sometimes it may not always be readily received. But yet God wants you to, you don't know why you're put in a place. You don't know why God's put you in that office. You think you're there to earn a a living. (laughs) That's part of it, amen? But it's also to to be the the body of Christ out there in the world, to, to impact people. You know, you're, 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 you never know where you're going to end up. I know one time when we, we, we had started the church in Orlando and we were getting ready for a big outreach concert that we were doing. And I can't remember exactly which one, but I think it was when we started doing these concerts at the Chick-fil-A parking lot over there on South Orange Blossom Trail. Mary Jo had come up with this great idea of, um, you know, when we first moved into this area, she said, you know, the, we should, we should stop by and talk to the owner of the Chick-fil-A and maybe they'll let us you know, set up the band and, and do a concert. And I was like, I, I, don't, I don't think he will. I, you know, I, don't, I don't see how that would happen. And she said, well, why not? Let's just go try. And so sure enough, we went over there and asked him and sure enough, Mary Joe was right. You know? <laughs> he let us set up you know, the whole band right there in the, in the, in the parking lot. And I remember we, you know, anytime you're gonna take the band and you're gonna do all this thing and you're gonna take it off site somewhere, and it's a lot of work. It's moving all this equipment and all this stuff. So, so we were gonna do that. And we had this um, lady, I don't even know if she had come to the church. She had called in. She needed help. And me and one of the guys in the church ended up going over, taking the church trailer, and we were moving her. And, um, and I don't even re- really remember how we got there, but I remember there was a moment in time, and the guy that was helping me was actually my cousin, uh, and he was, he was our bass player in the band at the time. And, and I remember we had this moment when we were picking up one of the mattresses, and I don't know if that has anything to do with what I do now, <laughs> But I remember we were picking up the, one of the mattresses in her room and we were moving it out to our trailer. And I looked at her, looked at him, and we just had this moment in time when it was like, how did we get here? What are we doing? We don't even know this person. We're moving them. How did, how, who, who, who orchestrated this whole thing? You know? It's none other than the Lord. You don't know how. You, you don't know what God's going to orchestrate in your life. And, and, and man, I, I, I've been serving the Lord long enough to know and to see these things happen repeatedly. I'll just share another story real quick. Um, 
this, past, this last week, I, I, uh, as many of you know, I have my own mattress company, my own mattress business, and I sell mattresses. So I sold, sold this uh, couple of mattress sets, actually the full adjustable, you know, the ones with the massage and the head up, head down, and other, you know, everything. I see, yeah, I, I got those. And uh, so anyways, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're Christian. Uh, where are you, buddy? Yeah, he's, he's helping me do a lot of deliveries. And so we're going over to uh, Satellite Beach to drop off these, these adjustable beds, these queen beds and everything, and um, we're setting them up, and this, this uh, couple, uh, the man, is, was actually getting a divorce. They're actually separating, and he kept talking, and I wouldn't normally press into him on this, but he kept saying, you know, how he was, you know, devastated by the whole thing, and he helped, helped that they would get back together and all this, and he, he kept saying it. He said, said it repeatedly to the point where I finally said when we were all done, I said, you know what, just, just to let you know if you guys need any help. I'm also a pastor, and it, you know I, I would just you know whatever you guys need, you know I, I'm I'm here to help, and he just immediately notified me that he was an atheist, and and I said oh okay, I said well well I knew that the guy was a radiologist, and what he does is he reads neural scans all day long. In fact, that's what he he sits in his home office and reads, uh, you know. Anyways. So I said to him, without hesitation, I just said this to him. So hopefully it was like it's, it's ringing in, in the center of his heart somewhere. I said, you don't see design in the central nervous system? And he's like, no, I don't. And you know what? Christian and I got in the truck afterwards and I said, you know what? I think the Lord had us there because here is this man who's going through this terrible separation. And when was the last time ever someone actually just pointed him back to the creator, to the God who orchestrated life and to, who, who brought this thing about. So I'm praying that, that God's using that. You don't know how God is going to use where he's got you, who he puts across your path, where, what, where you, what circumstance you're going to end up. I just want to encourage you to, when you get in a situation where you're in the Bible study, just get into receive mode. That's why we call that card to receive. Just get into receive equip mode. Because when you go out there, God, what God's doing in here is preparing for you for what's going to happen out there when you go out into the highways and byways. And so we want to encourage you in that. If you're going to look out for the interests of Jesus Christ, well, what are his interests? The interests of Jesus Christ of the people. Amen? In fact... We talked about this the other night, actually, in the Genesis series about how Jesus is the good shepherd, and he, he's such a good shepherd that he will leave the 99 safe in the pen to go out to, to track down the one lost sheep. And we talked about that Saturday night as we were talking about how the Lord literally went out after Hagar, after she ran away and was running back to Egypt. And who was it that met her on the, on the road, out in the middle of nowhere? None other than Jesus Christ, just telling her, come back, come back home. And, um, and so these are the interests of Jesus Christ. So Timothy was a person of the, looking out for the interests of Jesus Christ. Um, what else is, is Jesus into? Well, he's, he's into people, so he's, he's into transforming lives, lives being transformed. Coming from darkness into light, from death to life, 
And once that happens, once that transformation happens, then a transformation of the mind and heart in terms of being transformed by the renewing of our mind in the word. So God is in the business of reaching people and then transforming their lives from A to Z. Amen? And one of the beautiful pictures that we see of this in the Old Testament is found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 64, where we're told that the Lord is like a potter, right? And we're the clay. And what does the potter do with the clay? He molds it, right? He molds it, and it, it starts off as a lump of clay, right? I mean, I've never done, anybody done any, um, what do they call that? Pottery, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> pottery, right? I've, I've never been, I've never taken a class where it was like pottery and it was like, you know, the movie Ghost or anything like that, you know? <clears throat> Nothing like that, never done it. Never had a wheel in all the mud and everything, no. But that's what happens. A lump of clay, and that's what we are. And God is molding us, he's fashioning us, he's forming us into what? A vessel for his honor. A vessel for his honor. And so um, this is all the stuff that's gonna happen when we begin to be focused on the interest of Christ. And who is modeling this for us? Timothy. Timothy is being commended to us. Look at that, verse 20, 21. Paul says, contrasting of the others who would come along, he says, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. So Timothy is being commended to them, the Philippians, as a model of Christian service and, and let him be a model to us. Amen? Let's move on. So first we wanna, we wanna know, the, we wanna look out for the interest of Jesus Christ. Secondly, we wanna live out the ministry of Jesus Christ. Let's pick it up in verse 25. It says this. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because, you're, because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sor sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor and such... Um, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So we've got to live out, we've got to look out for the interest of Jesus Christ. And then we, we, when we live out, when we look out for the interest of Jesus Christ, then we can live it out. Amen? We can live out the ministry of Jesus Christ. And if you're going to be a, a member of the body of Christ, then this is what God is calling you to. Now, Paul, he commended to us Timothy. Now he commends to us someone else. His name is Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus, yeah. Go ahead and say that. So when you read that, you know how to say it. So you don't have to go, Epaphroditus. Okay? No. Epaphroditus, all right? Epaphroditus 
was to him just a minister. He lived out the ministry of Jesus Christ. How did he do it? First, Paul tells us that Epaphroditus was his brother. Look at that. Verse 25. I have thought it necessary to send you a pa- to, to you, Epaphroditus, my brother. This is how you first live out the ministry of Jesus Christ. By being a brother. By being a sister. Because you've been called not just into an organization, a club. This isn't the rotary. This, this is the kingdom of God. This is the family of God. When we came into the body of Christ, we came into the family of God. We have a heavenly father and we are now his children. We are called sons and daughters of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And Paul points out here that Epaphroditus was his brother. And we're going to live out the ministry of Jesus Christ by first realizing that you and I are brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. We're brothers. We're brothers in the Lord. We need to remember that. That we're family. Now, I grew up in the church. I've been around the church for 47 years and nine months in utero. Okay? That's how long I've been a part of, been around this thing called church. And back in the day, the, the church used to talk this type of language. Everybody was brother so and so. Sister so-and-so, you know, right? So it'd be brother so-and-so is going to come and lead us in a couple of choruses. As sister so-and-so accompanies them on the organ, you know? <laughs> this was church, right? <clears throat> so, but the, the, the great thing about that was that it was an attempt to keep in the mind of the people that we're a family, that we're a family, that we're the family of God. We're brothers and sisters, amen? Paul told, Paul, Paul told us that Epaphroditus was a brother. That's the first part of living out the ministry of Jesus. Oh, by the way, too, I can add another point there, that Jesus is our brother, actually, right? That's the cool thing. He's like our elder brother. And so if he's our elder brother, and the writer of Hebrews tells us that he's not ashamed to call us his brothers, that's amazing. When you read that early on in the book of Hebrews, that I, Jesus actually says, I am not ashamed to call them my brothers. It's not a call, Frank, he's not ashamed to call you his brother. So if Jesus Christ is not ashamed to call you his brother or sister, then we shouldn't be ashamed. And that's why I've never given too much slack to people that this whole thing of like, well, I'm really into Jesus, but I don't like the church. I've never given that person a whole lot of credibility because if you like Jesus, Jesus himself that gave his life on the cross for the sins of the world is not ashamed to call the brothers, the brothers, his brothers. Amen. So just, that's a little bonus one, bonus point on that one. (laughs) So secondly, Paul tells us that Epaphroditus was was a fellow worker in the ministry. Look at that, verse 25. I have thought it necessary to send to you, Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker. 
We're going to live out the ministry of Jesus when we realize that we are fellow workers in the ministry of Christ. You're in the ministry. Well, no, I'm not in the ministry. The pastor's in the ministry, right? I wasn't called into the ministry. He was called into the ministry. Yeah, that guy that stands up there and waves his arms and spits on everybody. Yeah, that's the guy that's, that's, the guy that's the called into the ministry. No, we're all called into the ministry. Remember, I opened up with Ephesians 4 that Jesus gave gifts to the church, pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets, and evangelists. What? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. That we're all called and being built up to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know what? I was actually listening to a podcast this morning, and the guy on the podcast was saying, I, I, have, a, a, I have a really high view of the priesthood of all believers. And sometimes I think we have too, too, too low of a view of the priesthood of all the believers. Amen? We're a royal priesthood, kings and priests unto God. And so God's called us to some mighty things, and we've got to realize what it is. So he's called us to be fellow workers in the ministry. We're working together in the ministry to do something, to accomplish something in the will of God that not one person could do by themselves. And that's why we have to be fellow workers in the kingdom. Amen? God working through his church is a powerful entity. And when we work together, God can accomplish so much through us. In fact, the word fellow worker there, if you look at the word fellow worker, actually it's two words, one word in the Greek, and it's the word synergos, S-Y-N-E-R-G-O-S, synergos, fellow worker. And what it means is exactly that, it's a fellow worker, and it's actually where we get our word for synergy. What's synergy? Synergy means the interaction of two or more agents or forces so that their combined effect is greater than the sum of their individual effects. Let me say that again. Synergy is the interaction of two or more agents or forces so that their combined effect is greater than the sum of their individual effects. So what is God wanting us to be? He's wanting us to be synergos. He's wanting us to be fellow workers. He's wanting us to be synergy. Because you're called to things. God's, God's calling you and equipping you to be where God's calling you to, uh, calling you to be. And, and I actually said that if anybody follows me on Twitter or whatever, I, I, I mentioned this this morning, that the, the passage of Scripture where Paul's talking about the body of Christ and he says, if, every, if everything was hearing, where would the sense of smell be? If every, and everybody was an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? No, but God has given to each one to be a part, a member of the body, and so that we're all a part, and so that we don't have to ask, well, where's the body? We're all the body, and we're going out in, as synergos, as, as, a, as a synergy of the work of Christ that he's doing in each one of us, and by... By synergizing the body of Christ in the world today, it's accomplishing a far better thing, a far more impactful thing than any one or the, the individual efforts added up together. Now, 
Let me suggest an interpretation. Remember when Jesus said, um, you know, greater works you shall do? Greater works? And, and man, I think that's puzzled people for years. Like, well, what did he mean? Are we going to feed like 40,000 people? Because he fed 20,000 or 5,000, but with women and children, they said it was like 20,000. So we're going to go out and double it, and we're going to feed 40,000. Well, maybe it's because when he left, he says, remember, it's to, it's to your benefit that I go away. Because if I go away, I will send the comforter, and he will fill you, and all this incredible stuff's going to happen. And then the work of the Holy Spirit being done in the individuals of the body, the individual members, and that synergy taking place, greater works you shall do. Amen? I think that's, an, that's, that's, that's actually not a bad stab at a, at, at, at a, at, at a uh, creative interpretation there. Um, so... Sinner goes, fellow worker. Third, Paul tells us that Epaphroditus was a fellow soldier. Look at that, verse 25. Brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier. We're fellow soldiers as well in the army of the Lord. The army of the Lord. What does the army of the Lord do? We don't war against people, you know. Somebody years ago, what it was 100 years ago, put together the Salvation Army, right? That's kind of close to the idea, right? Booth? William Booth. The Salvation Army. We're about the kingdom of God. We're an army that's focused on what the kingdom's focused on. We're, we don't war against people. We're at war with darkness, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in heavenly places. What's that? That's that unseen realm that we've been talking about, that Paul talks about in Ephesians 6. The principalities and powers of the air. And that's who we're doing battle with for the kingdom of God and seeking to be used in the kingdom. So... I know that if I was going out into battle, has anybody here been in battle? Been in the army? In the military? Nobody here. Okay. I, I was thinking about this. If I went into battle, and I've watched those war movies, right? We've all seen the opening. Anybody seen Saving Private Ryan? You know, the opening scene, right? You can get past it. You can, get, you can make it past that opening scene, right? As they, you know, they, they land on Normandy on the beach, and it's just a... I actually did a funeral at my church in Orlando for a guy that was at, at the beach at Normandy and survived. And, um, and I, let me tell you this. If I was in battle, if I was going into battle, I would want people like Epaphroditus, people that like somebody like Paul could say, hey, fellow soldier, this guy, this guy's the kind of guy that you want next to you as you're going into battle. And that's the kind of thing that we need to do. And, you know, I think sometimes there's too much um, pettiness. There can be too much pettiness in the body of Christ. Here we are in this major battle, this major spiritual battle that's going on for the souls of men across, across the face of the earth. And then there can be this pettiness about all this stuff. And God is wanting us to see the bigger picture and, and realize that we've, as, as, as the body of Christ, as we're coming in and coming under the, the teaching of the Lord, learning how 
to, to have hold all those things in common as they had in the early church. Amen? Okay. So, a brother, a fellow worker, and a fellow soldier. Uh, Epaphroditus was this kind of person. Paul could recommend his service to the Philippian church without reservation. And, you know, he goes on in that passage. He talks about, you know, him being sick and wanting to come to them and Paul wanting him to, to, to be sent to encourage. You know, here, here Epaphroditus was ministering to Paul. And here's Paul saying, look, you know, Epaphroditus was near death. And thank the Lord that the Lord had mercy upon him and healed him because I would have had double sorrow, right? That's what, that's what Paul says. I would have had double sorrow. But thank God, God had mercy on him, and now I want to send him to you. Why? Well, I want to send him to you because he's going to be all these things that he was to me, <laughs> to you, and to be an example to you Philippians of how we need to be and the type of mindset. So you have, if you look at this chapter from top to bottom, you have the, the, the example of Christ, the mind of Christ, and then you have Paul commending to them Timothy and then commending to them Epaphroditus and, 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 and saying, look, here's the type of thing that we need to be about. Here's the mindset that we need to have. So we need to be encouraged. We need to be encouraged as we come together to lift up the name of the Lord, to be equipped, and, then to, and, and as we are going out. Coming in, I, I just think that my vision of the church is that when we come together, that people are kind of looking for ways to get involved and to serve and say, hey, where can I help out? Where can I do? And then when we do that, there's just an enthusiasm in the way that we do that. There's just kind of an energy. There's a synergy that takes place. You know, you've ever, you've ever been on a great team? You ever been on a great team? Raise your hand. You've been on a great team, a winning team. I, I'll close with this, and we're all done. Get you out of here before 8. All that good stuff and before 8 o'clock. When I was 12 years old, I was on a really great Little League team. We were 12 and 0. We won the city championship. Actually, we were 14 and 0. Of the 14 games, eight of them were shutouts. We were just demolishing through teams. And it was just, it was, it was so much fun. It was so awesome to be a part of it. And that's what I think is the, is the image of the church, that we're this team to be brothers and sisters, fellow workers, fellow soldiers together that are coming together in such a way that it's just this dynamic thing. That there's just an energy about it. And God is able to do just an incredible thing with it. And so would you pray with me that God will speak to you, that God will bind our hearts together, that when we come together, there's an amazing energy that there's an amazing synergy because not only is he synergizing us together as individuals, but we've got literally the power of the universe in the person of the Holy Spirit right in the midst of us. Amen? 
And so I've always said the church, the, the one thing in the, in the world that is completely indestructible. Amen. <laughs> you want to talk about something being indestructible? Yeah, there's one thing in the world that's completely indestructible, and it's the church of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. 